the words of this song. as well as those connecting online. We're glad that you're with us. At this time, hear the word of the Lord from Psalm 73. Yet I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. 
and afterward you will take me into glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Amen. I invite you to stand and worship along with us. Amen. I'm going to just amen that one too. Um, right. We adore him. He is so good to us. Even when we think he's not, he is still good to us. Uh, the children who checked in for children's church today are allowed to go to children's church. I think if you follow the Keekenville family, they'll help you through with that one. This week, as I was pondering on and asking the Lord, going, Lord, what, what does prayer need to look like on Valentine's Day of all things? From a widow of all things also. But what God was impressing on me all week was the freedom of his love. And it's his love that we need to search after, not this earthly love that the world wants to promote on one day, um, but his love. And so I'm like, Lord, what does your love look like? And he said, Psalm 139. And I went, hmm, okay, I bet you just about everybody in here could quote Psalm 139 back to me. <laughs> right? There's been lots of songs that have been written about this. So that's going to be our focus of prayer today is Psalm 139. 
But what I want to impress on you is the freedom that his love gives us. Let's pray. Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. Lord, sometimes I think this just sounds like you want to control my life, that you are watching over my shoulder to say, oops, you did that wrong, Linda. But it's not. Lord, it's that freedom of your love to go, here I am, Lord. Know me. Know me so deeply. Lord, I thank you that you know when I'm going to rise up in the morning. You know what my thoughts are before I can even think them. But Lord, that you help guide those thoughts so that I may know where I need to go or if I need to stay, who I need to talk to. Lord, you discern my going out and my lying down. You, Lord, are familiar with all my ways. Lord, for me, that is a freedom. I don't have to worry about my next step. I don't have to worry about who you're going to put in my path because you have ordained that, Lord, and I can step into that with a freedom because you still love me. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. Lord, I ask the same as Isaiah. Put your hand over my mouth if there are words that do not need to be told to people. Guard my heart, Lord, against those thoughts that want to creep out. Lord, you hem me in behind and before and you lay your hand upon me. Lord, lay your hand upon all of us. Guide us. Push us in the right direction if we are veering off the path. Lord, help us see that your hand is that gentle nudge of correction, not the hammer that wants to destroy. Lord, all of this knowledge is too wonderful for me. It's too lofty for me to attain or even to go into. Lord, give us our hearts to accept that without question, without reason, without explanation. Lord, that you love me completely and that that love will never go away 
it will never leave. And so, Lord, help us so that we can rest firmly in the love that you have for each one of us. Search me and try me, Lord. Help me to follow in your ways. And Lord, thank you for the love that you give us every day. Amen. Linda. Thank you, too, for modeling that um, good practice, praying the scripture. You know, um, that was not my experience or practice growing up, but over the years with others that have taught me and, and listening and learning how to take God's word and learn to let that give you the vocabulary of prayer and a relationship. I, I appreciate uh, that model. Well, good morning, Fusion. I hope you're staying warm. You know, for a kid who was born in North Carolina and spent a lot of years in New Orleans, yikes, it's cold. <laughs> Jeepers. But here we are. And again, I'm really thankful to kind of serve in, in this time between the times. JB is packing up. I got to spend some time with him just this week, and uh, we're excited about God bringing him and being a part of that team and where things go from uh, from there. We're continuing in a sermon series that we've called Surprise, You Belong, because the, the thread, if each Sunday were a pearl, and I hope it's a pearl and not a rhinestone, but if each uh, sermon was a pearl, the thread that goes through all of these is the encounters that Jesus has with people, and he encounters people who feel outside, distant from God, and he says, come on inside. And in that way, he reminds folks who feel inside, and, you know, we're, we're here, we're kind of insiders, but he reminds us as insiders why it is we belong here. So I hope that um, kind of gives you a sense of where we're going. This morning, we're going to look at a passage that's actually uh, sprinkled in several different places and ways through all of the Gospels. It has to do with children. The outsider here is little kids, because many times, certainly in that culture in that time, children... Uh, one day you'll grow up and you'll be like, oi. But let's hear the word of God. Matthew chapter 10, we'll begin at verse 13. Now, people were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them, but the disciples saw and rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. And he said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms and he placed his arms on them and he blessed them. Let's pray. <clears throat> oh, Lord, our God and Father, we thank you that you have shown us what true humanity looks like, that God the Son would lay aside his glory and enter into the world as we know it and experience. And he would live that and, and let us see what we were called to be. Thank you that in this moment, as he interacts with children and as others watch and as he teaches, that we hear a call for ourselves and see a life for ourselves Thank you for those who carefully recorded these events, got them written down, preserved across centuries in texts. Thank you for that amazing story of how you kept these so that we might, in humility, read and study, receive. Now, Holy Spirit, we pray you would 
be present to illumine our hearts and minds uh, that we might hear your voice in the midst of this one broken sinner's voice. Guard your people from me, but make Jesus clear and hopeful and compelling. Thank you for this time together. We pray in the marvelous and the mighty name of Jesus. And all of God's people said together, amen. Well, I want to share with you one of the great moments from a yet unpublished epic book called Growing Up Littner. We homeschooled our kids for a series, and in truth, my wife homeschooled them. And there was a season that they were doing these unit studies. They would study all three of them, kind of the same thing, and different age-appropriate ways, get all involved into these things. And so they were studying early American history, and they learned about the war for independence, and the heroes there, and all these things, and then the transition from English government to their own, our own government. And they studied the Constitution, and you know, there's three branches of government and this and that, how it came to the Constitutional Convention. They were all learning these things. We'd talk about it over dinner and stuff. Great fun. Well, one afternoon, and I was at work. It's what dads do to run away from these moments. <laughs> the, the two of them came down the steps to Mary Lynn, and the nine-year-old gave Mary Lynn a piece of paper. She took it. And it was a nine-year-old's Bill of Rights. <laughs> I want to tell you, we have saved this puppy. And <laughs> this is just part of it. But it says, a nine-year-old should be able to stay up till at least 8.30. I've went to bed for as long as I can remember. I'm kind of giving you some of the emotion with that. Number two, should be able to buy things with their own money without their parents' permission, makeup, etc. Marilyn read that over, and then the six-year-old gives her another piece of paper, a six-year-old's bill of rights. And I am not a handwriting analysis expert, but I kind of think the six-year-old's handwriting looked more like the nine-year-old handwriting. You know where this goes. It's a great and funny moment. We kind of knew they were learning stuff, and we laugh about it now from time to time, and I'm missing my kids. They're grown. They're living on the West Coast, married and doing work and doing their thing, but I think about those moments, and I love my kids, even though I would have to tell you the attitude that was in that nine-year-old Bill of Rights we kind of laugh about it at nine, but it was much more challenging at 19. Fair enough? Yeah. <laughs> so children, we love them. They're ours. I would give my life for them. That was, parenting has been a, a deeply shaping event for me. It's really been a powerful thing. It's not about me, but boy, it has really changed me. So we love our kids. They're ours. But we can also see in them things that are not so good. And then in the midst of this situation, Jesus says, unless you receive the kingdom of God like a little child, you won't enter. And I'm thinking, 
like a child. You know, he uses this metaphor several times in the Gospels, it's recorded. And in Matthew 18, he uses it even with more clarity. You must become like little children to enter in. What does that mean? That I load my emotional diapers, spill that out? What does he mean? Remember, at this moment, he's also speaking to grown men. There's some small business entrepreneurs in there. There's a, a religious zealot who's ready to kill people for religious truth. There's a tax collector who's found a way to make big money. These are grown men who've lived some life and who have this stuff figured out. In just a few years, they will be released by Jesus to be the, the leaders of a world-shaping movement that would affect across ethnic barriers, across national boundaries, for time, for centuries. These guys were at the core. They were grown, strong men. And he looks them in the eye and says, don't run these kids off. They're actually a model of what it means receive the kingdom of God. You got to be like them. <laughs> what does that mean? Well, I want to confirm right from the beginning that Jesus is not encouraging his people to be childish. Do you know the difference? Jesus does not mean go be childish. You know about childish behaviors. I want my way. We know of childish attitudes. You know, behaviors play out from attitudes things that are deep within. And there are childish attitudes. I, 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 when I was doing more youth ministry, sometimes there's a little loaded question I would ask. Um, who among you has ever acted selfishly? Now, don't answer that question. Because this is the catch-22 in that question. At that moment, every person in there is going to demonstrate they're a sinner, either by raising their hand and saying, yes, I've acted selfishly, or by demonstrating to everybody else that they will lie in public. <laughs> One or the other, gotcha. So there are attitudes of children that Jesus is not calling us to. How about knowledge? You know, the scripture says, don't be children in your understanding of God, but grow up. The scripture is filled with callings, is the way I like to say it, rather than exhortation. Calling to maturity. Grow up in the faith. Here's a favorite of mine, Ephesians 4. And I won't read the, the whole passage because Paul, in the way he does in Ephesians, he's so excited. He's huge, big sentences. I just can't say enough about how great this is. He's been talking about our identity in Christ. And then he tells the church in Ephesus, until we all reach unity in faith and in knowledge, there's that word of the Son of God, and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Paul didn't want his people missing anything. So grow up into this. Then we will no longer be infants. But didn't Jesus, let's read on, we won't be infants tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. There's a warning. Instead, we'll be speaking the truth in love, not saying one thing and thinking another. We'll grow to become in every respect the mature body 
of him who is the head, that is Christ Jesus. Friends, I want to tell you, there is a strong biblical call to maturity. Your knowledge of God should be deeper, more life-changing, more clear now than it was five years ago. Can you mark that out? The attitudes that motivate your heart. You should be growing in your response of forgiveness, learning how to forgive, forgive quickly. When Scotty Smith prays, another person who's taught me a lot about the vocabulary of prayer, he'll often say, make us quick to repent. Oy, are you quicker to repent now than you were 10 years ago? What's shaping? What's the trajectory of your life? Are you moving to maturity? That's an important biblical question. And then there's Jesus. You must receive like a little child. Become like a little child. See, I think that's something of a quandary because more often than not, certainly this was my inclination, we play those two off. Like a child or mature. Well, I used to be like a child, now I am mature. But wait a minute. I was an adult and I can begin to see I was still motivated by some pretty childish fears, demands. The quandary is that we play these two characteristics off against each other more often than not. I think the scripture calls us to see these two things, both and, like a child growing into maturity. And I want to tell you something. I think the way we grow into maturity is to recognize increasingly the way we are children to a heavenly father. The key to making this transition, to living this out, I believe is to read the Bible with what I call gospel eyes. It's to recognize this important truth. The Bible is not an instruction book for how to live and prosper with God's blessing. I've said that several times here at Fusion. I say it regularly at celebration, and I tell myself almost every day. The Bible has not been given to you and me as an instruction book for behavior that leads you into blessing. The Bible instead is the story of how and why only God can rescue and redeem us. The Bible at its very core builds up to that moment, the cross where God himself gave his life, laid it down for us that he might give to us his life. The key to maturity is seeing that that's what matters. And when I begin to step back and say, okay, the Bible is not an instruction book. Oh, now, to be sure, if you study it carefully, you can find some bits of helpful advice and how to live fruitfully. But if that's all you're getting, I want to tell you, don't feel shame. Feel excitement. There is way more that God has for you. Imagine you are given life and life abundantly. What do I got to do? Like a child. Oh, the promise of the gospel. The scripture is not giving you instruction on what to do in order to be loved. The scripture is telling you, you are loved. Oh, and by the way, here's a hint at what a loved child lives like. 
The Ten Commandments were not given us. I'm going to say this again. I, I want to make sure it's deep in your heart. The Ten Commandments were not given to us with a voice that says, you better obey the rules if you expect me to love you. The Ten Commandments are given to us with a voice like, here's what I created you for. And what you can't do by yourself because of your brokenness, but I'm sending a rescuer to change all that. Don't you want to hear that? Receive like a, a little child. It's not instruction, do this, act this way, and then you'll be a child. No, this is a glimpse into how God sees me, and it changes the way I see God. He doesn't give me a command to conform to in order to be his. He shows me his character, and out of that, gives me a whole new relationship. I want to tell you something. One of the most interesting things for me as a parent, and I'm not about to tell you how long I've been at this, but <laughs> one of the most interesting things is that when I sent my kids off to college, we tried to have them prepared, you know, ready to cook for themselves. They could do their laundry. They could study. They could do all that stuff. They left my house, but I'm never going to not be their dad. How I'm a parent for a 29-year-old child is different than how I'm a parent for a 19-year-old child and different for a 9-year-old child and different for a 9-month-old child. But I'm always going to be a parent. And if I can take what the Scripture shows me about God and learn about parenting, there's two things I realize. A child will always be, first of all, one who's given life. No person, because we were all once children, right? No person has anything to do with their own being alive. Birth is not the work that I do to give myself life. I'm born by the will and by the action of another, two people. I'm born. Life is something I'm given with. Now, what I do with the life I'm given, I have some input there. My decisions matter. I'm a steward of life, and every child is a steward of the life they've been given. But alive at all, that's something else. That's a gift. That's why, again, this is a life-changing perspective. Every person you ever see or meet has been given life, and they're stamped with the image of the great God. They're image bearers. They're valuable. Remember the first time we lived in New Orleans, there was what they called in that day a shooting gallery just down the street from our ministry center. And that's an abandoned house where drug users would go and inject. They'd shoot up. Boy, I've seen some messed up people. And Bill Brown, my mentor in that season, used to say, yeah, Bill, but every one of them is an image bearer. And Jesus went to the cross to call them to cross the bridge and become children of God. Every person you ever meet, every enemy, every detestable, every broken, every whatever is stamped with that image. And God has given us the gospel to invite them to cross the bridge to adoption. It's different. Every child will always be someone who has been given life. Another thing about every child is that they are loved. Boy, we've been a 
parents long enough to have been through some really tough times. One of the things that struck me in the toughest of times was, wow, I can't believe that kid said that to me or their mother, and I still love them. Now I'm ready to kick them out of the house, but I still love them. I want to add some nuance here before I, I go on, so let's kind of put a parenthesis. Those who give you physical life cannot love you perfectly. Take that as a truth. Being a parent can become an opportunity to see your own shortcoming as a person. It was for me. I loved my kids. I did my best to love them perfectly. I fell short of perfect. Their ability to, to be loved was shaped by that, and I, I, I've seen that. It's hard. But sometimes, and this is a truth, and it may be a real truth for some of you here, it's sad to say that sometimes parents themselves can be so broken that their ability to love well is, is just as broken. When I say a child is loved, you may be thinking, oh, you didn't grow up with my dad. And if that's the case, because there are moments, mental illness, addiction, their own scars, I, I, boy, do I get that. They're unable to give their kids the love that God has called them to give as a parent. If that's your story, run, don't walk, crawl if you got to. But go to the gospel and the cross. For there, the true and perfect heavenly father will love you as this broken world has never been able to love you. It's not what you do. It's who he is. So take that. He will make himself known and give you healing with love that no earthly parent could. Part of my hope for my kids is that they'll say, okay, my old man did the best he could. Boy, was that weak. But God himself, if I can point my kids from the broken earthly father to the true and perfect heavenly father, I'm calling that success. So, friends, Jesus says you've got to become like a child. You've got to become one who recognizes you've been given life and that you were loved. I want to say that gospel maturity is the fruit of those two things. If you're going to grow up into what God has you, you've got to lay aside the works motivated by your insecurity, your pride, your fear, whatever it may be, and receive. You have been given life and are loved because of what Jesus did on the cross. God's grace makes us deeply loved, fully adopted children. I pray that every day. Receiving the kingdom like a child is not what you do. Receiving the kingdom like a child is God making us his children. It's what he does. God is more than creator suddenly. He's heavenly father. He's more than the unmoved first mover. I remember studying philosophical theology in college, and I'm thinking, I mean, I get the philosophy of unmoved mover, but I had a heavenly father at that point. I'm not stepping down. Oh, this God, his grace, he's more than just the moral source of our origin. Forget it. In the gospel of his grace, God shows himself to us as his heavenly father. And by his grace, he has made us his children. That means we are given life and we are loved. Gospel maturity is the fruit of being given life by God's grace. Here's how some of that works out. 
It means that I look to God for my life. And with that life comes value. When the world tells me I'm not valued, I smile politely and say, oh, but you ought to meet my daddy. I've had times where I was very productive in the world's eyes and times where I was not at all productive. Some of you have heard my story about losing a job in my 40s. And boy, if you ever want to take a successful workaholic, perfectionistic German and make him face his issues, take his job away. My life just blew up. I was not productive. But I began to discover in that moment that I was deeply loved. And I'd been given life. Given life. It comes with value. That's a gift. Identity. I receive that from a God who's loved me. I don't achieve it by following this impulse or that. I will always belong to another. I am not my own. Do you know the first question of the Heidelberg Catechism? My only hope in life and death is that I am not by my own, but I belong body and soul to the Lord Jesus Christ. He gives me that. That means I will not seek life from other sources. I love my job, but that's not how I'm loved. One day I'll have to retire or Norlin will just carry me out the office. <laughs> I will be loved right up to that moment. Not because of who I am or what I do, but because of who God is and what Jesus did on the cross. I don't look to my family to find life. I really love my wife. It's Valentine's Day great time. She is a wonderful wife. I want to tell you something. She is an awful God. When I make her an idol, when I expect her to meet the needs of my heart, I've thrown our relationship out of balance. No, I'm loved and so I can love her. And in the course of that, she's loved and loves me. And it's just cool. We find love from no other source than from God, and we live in the love that he has for us. Gospel maturity is the fruit of being loved transformingly by God. I don't look to the creation to meet the deep needs of my life. Instead, because of what Jesus did at the cross, I live from a heart of gratitude. Boy, a heart of gratitude, how it changes that perspective at each step. I love what the Apostle John says in 1 John 4, 19. We love and we're called to love. You know, I hope you're finding a place of ministry at Heart Awake. God is doing so many amazing things. Um, we heard about Kids Hope recently. You know, we're still finding ways to help elementary school kids in tough situations be loved any different way. Ministry with students. You can make a difference in a middle schooler's life. Just work with Nate. Friends, we love, we're called to that. The hungry should be glad that Hardawike exists because we're being used of God to make a difference there. Yes, we love, but why? Because he first loved us. The reason we go where we go is because of what Jesus did on the cross and he sends us. We're a people of love. I've made a discovery that I want to end with. I've got um, a story uh, for today, as, as usual. I discovered a book that really shaped my life. It's now available for free 
and so I can recommend it. If you have a computer or a smartphone or an iPad, you can get a Kindle app at no charge, and you can go get the Kindle version of a particular book I'm going to recommend. It's on the sermon resources. You can get that for free. I'll cover it, okay, my expense. <laughs> um, it's a book called Humility, The Beauty of Holiness by Andrew Murray, a 19th century pastor uh, who's really shaped my life. I remember 25 years ago, I'm reading this book and I'm thinking, who is this guy and what is he saying? You, you usually can't walk into a bookstore, church bookstore or otherwise. Can I see your section on humility? No, we're looking for a success. What Dr. Murray said and what he helped me see, it was like a voice from another universe. And my heart began to hunger for this and see that the goal is different. It's not what I can do for God, but it's will I receive from God what he has for me. And Dr. Murray writes this in his book. It's, it's an updated language book. It's, it's newly released. It's very easy to read. He preached. He was Dutch South African. He preached in English and Afrikaans. And he wrote, kind of sounds like English and Afrikaans. This is updated language. Get it. He says, humility is the only soil in which the graces take root. It is not as much a blessing or attribute along with others as much it is the root of all, humility. That's what it means to grow into maturity by becoming like a child. It realizes there's an active God who is at work to shape me more than I could ever ask. There's a marvelous little illustration that Martin Luther uses in his preface to his commentary on Galatians. He says something to this effect, the ground would be prideful and silly if it looked to the sky and said, I can do this right. Give me the rain that I need. The ground can't go, if I hold my arms at 10 and 2, if I hold them at 11 and 1, or, or maybe flail in some liturgical sense. Luther was always fighting that battle. No, the ground lifts its hands, cracked and dried, to receive what God is giving the rain from the sky. That's how we pray. That's how we receive. That's how we enter in. The extraordinary news is that God will give empty hands more than fists will ever be able to lay hold of. Receive more than you could ever ask or dream or imagine. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, our God and Father, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would sweep through this room and even across the recording and people who've been frightened or broken or find themselves dried that the gentle rain of your love would begin to change our hearts that in humility we would receive and that you would begin to break the soil of our heart from hard clay to uh, soft, fertile, humble, and that the seeds of your word would begin to grow and plant a new harvest of fruit. Father, save us from our childish broken ways, but with childlike simplicity, by your grace and mercy, help us grow into maturity bearing a harvest 
to your glory and to the benefit of all those around us whom we love. We ask because you're daddy and you told us to. So daddy, do what only you can do. Heal, comfort, challenge, encourage. This we pray through the name of the one who gave his life for us, the Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. May you stand and worship along with us.
struggle with these words. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace now and forever. Amen. Go in peace. Dead in your